if there's no aim, we're just going along and people are just deciding, oh, that was a good idea at that time or, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I really wanted that to happen. But they didn't say it in the beginning, letting the circumstances determine you rather than you getting intentional about what you say you're committed to cause. you know the singular most important secret to leading yourself and others to success? Your leadership will either thrive or die on this one principle. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversation for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. In this episode, we sit down and chat about commitment and aim. I'm so grateful to have our very own Eileen Tokini on the podcast today. She's the VP of Coaching for Take New Ground, and she's incredible in this conversation. I love her distinctions about generalizations and how generalization keeps us safe, but actually it's the most dangerous thing. Can't wait for you to listen. Let's dive in. Adrian and Eileen, how are you guys? Doing well. I'm doing, I'm doing great. Eileen, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. We've had you twice, I think, on the podcast. Um, and we're making it we're we're making it a point to have it a lot more. Right? We've okay. got it on the calendar. So we we you have to get on Eileen's calendar uh, like early because she's all booked up. <laughs> Eileen, I just, just for those, I mean, we have a ton of new listeners, a lot of growth since you've been on. I know a lot of people back listen to episodes, but some people that are listening haven't met you yet. So could you, would you be willing to just give us a quick introduction? Um, and you know, you, I also want to mention typically Dan's on in these conversations with us and, and Dan is absent today. He's traveling. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, Talk about your connection to Dan, too. Sure. Well, I'm Eileen Tokini, and I'm grateful to be here with you guys today. Um, and Dan <clears throat> is my husband. We've been married for 42 years. I know. Long time. <laughs> and um, <laughs> That was yeah. unprompted. That was unprompted. Oh, yeah. Long time. Wait a yeah. second. I didn't even know you were 42 years old. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I am the VP of coaching for Take New Ground. And um, so I've been coaching for about three decades now. I know that's a long time too. Um, so, um, and um, I'm, I love coaching as part of my life. It doesn't feel like it's work to me. It's been part of something that I, that I, that's part of me. And um I love it. I love being in people's lives. I love coming alongside them. And uh, I love doing the work that we do with Take New Ground. That I know it's making a huge difference in lives and companies and families. And so I'm excited for what's coming as we continue to expand. And let, let me add here too, you know, Eileen, when, when I first uh, got around the Takinis and was running a, a foundation at the time, Eileen was the first coach I ever hired. 
And uh, she was amazing in that conversation with me. She's got this way of intuitively picking up exactly what you don't want to talk about. And, um, and that's usually where the life is. And she's phenomenal. And then and subsequently after that, trained me on the co on coaching work. And so I always channel Eileen whenever I'm working with clients. I do the best I can anyway. Yeah. It's a tall I, order. I would say there's, yeah, exactly. I'd say there's, there's no mistake that um, she's one of the most booked coaches in our organization mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because results happen where Eileen shows up. So it's so good to have you. Thank you. It's, that's an honor. And um, I'm excited to get in our conversation and what we're going to be talking about here today. So, yeah. So let's, let's dive in. We want to talk about, I, I want, Eileen, you taught, you brought up the, the option to talk about aim. And I was really excited when I saw that come across because I knew, I mean, you would be one of the best to have in this conversation when we talk about aim. Your commitment to being clear about AIM and what it is that we're working towards is really astounding. So, so grateful that you're here for it. Let's set the conversation up. So I'm just going to throw it to all of us. Start talking about when we talk about AIM, what do we, what are we talking about? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to title, it's a little clickbaity, but I'm titling this episode the one secret to leading others to success. Because I actually, it is clickbaity, but I also believe that, is that if there isn't aim, there, we, we don't even know what success is. We can't even name what the success would be. So uh, that's where I want to start, is when we talk about aim from like a, it could sound like coach speak, what are we actually talking about? Yes. Well, when I think about aim, there's something that somebody wants to get in when I'm especially coming alongside, whether it's an executive or a founder and what they want to get accomplished in a certain time frame. So there's a certain result that they're looking to get done, that they're committed to get done. So there's not an option. It's, this is what, this is the direction they're going. And so it's clear there's details around it. And um, one of the things before when I'm working with someone, I ask them to count the costs, like really look at your current reality, what you have going on and um, what's it going to take to carve out this future with the intention of having it happen and the discipline and the rigor that it takes to have that happen. And so just looking at the current reality and what requests that needs to happen in their life so that this can get accomplished. And um, so to me that if, if there's no aim, we're just going along and people are just deciding, Oh, that was a good idea at that time. Or, Oh yeah, yeah. No, I really wanted that to happen, but they didn't say it in the beginning. So it was more, um, letting the circumstances determine you rather than you getting intentional about what you say you're committed to cause. And that's a whole different way of being rather than just navigating in life and, and navigating meaning um, without a clear focus. So you're going to get um, what's ever left over. And what I, when many times one of these statements I will say to the clients that I'm working with, there is a future coming. Is this the future you're committed to? Right and on. 
with the yeah. track that you're on, right? Where, yes. Where you're at, where things are going, there's a future to that. Yes. And is that the one that you're committed to? Is that the one you want? <laughs> yes. Because there is a future coming. And then they go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, based on what you just said, the current reality and what you said you were going to, your aim, your commitment, um, it's not about your comfort. It's not about the circumstances because stories don't equal results. It's just a story. So, and you know, it's the willingness to, to interrupt some of this comfort or or um, status quo, it's okay, no no big deal, you can just put this off because putting things off rather than getting on it, what you said you're committed to, that practice, it's a, it's a discipline, it's a way of being that, um, you know, when there's obstacles, they become opportunities. And rather than a distraction, you can look at, you can count the cause. If I do this, then this is what's going to happen here. So navigating in life in a way that you're holding the reality of what choices are available to you. And if you make this choice, there's consequences. And, and so you're going to miss where you, where you say you aim. Right on. Adrian, what, what comes up for you when you hear aim? Yeah. I mean, a lot, I, even just all that Eileen said, by the way, Eileen, I love it when you tell us what you tell, what you talk about, what you say to clients, because usually it's so poignant um, and it's so penetrating in that way. It's like, even when you were saying earlier, like you really um, invite them to count the cost of what it's going to take to keep their aim. Um, I've got some questions about that, but to your question, Chad, about what do I think of when I think aim? First off, let me say what I don't think of. What I don't think of is some kind of generalistic, um, it would be nice if that happened, right? So, and that's why I don't ever use the word goals. I never use the word goals when right working on. with clients. And I, I always want to talk about it. Yeah. I, 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 always wanna, yeah. I always want to talk about goals, but most, so I care, great coaches care about context. So what people mean when they say certain words and goals has become such a squishy word in culture, right? It's sponge-like. It, it moves around. It's like gelatinous. Um, and it's a, it usually what people mean when they say goal, they mean it would be nice if that happened. And that's very far. That's very far from the way of being, using Eileen's term, um, very far from the way of being that's going to be required from the person uh, in order to get anything that they actually want. So they've already set up the game that it's a moving target and I've already preset that I actually don't care about if this happens or not. They don't say that. They just say, I've got this goal. So that's what I don't mean. I don't mean aim like a vague future. I, I don't mean aim like a goal. It would be nice if. I mean aim like here is the pinpoint result that I'm I'm declaring now. That will be the feedback on if I did what it took. It'll be feedback on me. Was I clear? Was I honest? Was, did I say what I needed to say? Did I ask what I needed to ask? Did I learn what I needed to learn? Did I resource the way I needed to resource? Did I solve feedback on if I hit the target or not? I mean, a lot of times in a training, well, I'll draw like a bullseye up on the board and, you know, here's the bullseye. And I mean, here's the, what do they call it? A, um, when you're throwing a dartboard, like a, 
the tar- yeah, maybe just a target. The target, and in the middle of a target is the bullseye. That's what we're talking about. Most people don't live like that. Most people hit a spot on the board and then draw the target around it, you know? And we don't do that on accident. That's a human way. That's our way as human beings to survive, to look good in our own eyes, to, to save face with a crowd. Like we come up to, with Eileen's point, we come up with stories to justify what happened instead of living with the reality of, I didn't do what I said I was going to do. So when, when I think aim, it's being to Eileen, even I just wrote it down. What do they want to get done in a certain time frame? That's not squishy. What do they actually want to get done? I mean, on our intro form, we say, what new results are you committed to create? That's different than what goals do you have? Yeah. Yeah. You're Eileen, you're a shark for generalization. Like you can spot generalization across the ocean. And I, I could, would you be willing to take just a second, just talk about what generalization does? So, because what I experience, I, I do this, uh, I have up until now, and uh, I, I have clients who get caught up in generalization it, when they're talking about their aims and their goals. And, and we think that we think that shit happens by accident, right? It's like, oh, I didn't realize it was being general. And, and we actually say, well, there's a strategy behind it, even if you're not aware of the strategy you're running. Could you talk about the strategy of generalization? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say first, it starts with the language. Because when someone's even declaring, or whether they're writing it and they're writing on their intro form, I would like this, or maybe um, you'll hear it in a, in a, um, some of the meetings and teams. We 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 said we would do this, so that all puts it on. There's nobody taking a stand. There's no commitment. So. It starts with, I will, I am, I'm committed. Um, this is what I'm about. It starts with me. So when I'm hearing it in a team meeting, when I go to companies and I'm listening to their executive team or, you know, their, their uh, weekly meeting, their hands-on meeting, I could hear the generalities in what's being said in the language. Because there's not a responsible person owning it. So it takes ownership and clear commitment that this is what I said I would do. And this is what you can count on me for. So when people start going into, well, this, I, if this could happen. So it's the coulda, woulda, shoulda conversation. And it's the um, putting it where it's fuzzy, I say fuzzy talk, where it sounds that um, they're waiting for something to happen rather than they are going to get resourceful. Resourceful meaning when you think about the word resourceful, you're willing to think outside the box. It's not like, okay, well, this is what's in my job description or just because this is what I've done in the past, this is what I'm going to do. No, I'm willing to get creative and and because I know this this commitment is as that I'm giving myself to it. So it's it's causing me to rise up to a different level. It's not about the past, not about what I did do. It's about 
current reality right now and what am I up to and what's it going to take to get to that? And many times you hear people, they get caught up in, um, like I said, the circumstances or it's uncomfortable or you don't understand. Um, <clears throat> There was just all this stuff that happened in, you know, the company and I got delays and this stuff. So there's all the stories. So being specific, when you hear it, you'll know it. You'll hear the music in someone and and they're actually being in the in 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 a way that causes something bigger than themselves to rise up in how they're relating because they get all of a sudden the world becomes a possibilities rather than holy shit how am i going to do this how am i going to do it's like no i'm going to ask for some help here i'm going to leverage myself you get creative rather than let it take you down you get creative to let it bring you up to that whatever that level that that you say you're going towards which is a lot of fun but see, when people think about those obstacles many times it or, you know, situations that bring them down, it becomes they could go, oh, I just missed it. And they get down on themselves rather than just turning it around and utilizing that as an opportunity. So did that answer your question, Chad? I know you were talking about generalizations. Yeah, like yeah, I love it. Adrian, okay. I'm curious for you what what comes up. I mean, how do we use generalization um, what, when do we utilize it as a tactic for, from your perspective? Well, generalization is dangerous because it is, we get, it's, it's first off, it's a hiding place. So when I say, when I say dangerous for, for it's dangerous because it's like, I'm trying to think of an analogy. I can't think of a metaphor right now. But, you know, it's, it is safe for us. It ends up, it ends up usually generating zero results, but it's dangerous in the sense that if I generalize, I actually, and we know this, I forget when the, when the science came out about it, but it's one of these biases where if I give a generalized answer, I actually give myself neuro, neurologically, I get credit for the thing that I never actually take action on. Like if people say I'm writing a book, they'll obviously they'll they'll feel really important to them. So, oh, I'm writing a book right now. And if I say that at a party, the people will say, oh, great. What's the book about? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you get to say whatever you want to say. And it's great. And it's, and it's not like I'm finishing a book or I'm writing a book and it's going to be done in six months. Like that's very specific. Um, and I'm at stake for that. But if I actually, actually get all the feel good chemicals um, at posturing as if I'm actually doing something in life. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous when we turn 95 and never actually got anything done. So it's dangerous in that way as well. But it's dangerous because it actually, it backfires. It gives us the feel good drugs um, without the discipline. Um, so that's what, you know, I was just in a conversation yesterday with a, with a new client about it. Third call. I was asking him, he's got a lot of long-term goals. Long-term goals are wonderful because they're so far out, you know, they're so far away. And he wants, he wants me to be satisfied with his one-year goals. And I said, great, that's, those are all wonderful. Now, 
let's talk about this month, what you're going to get done this month. And then he gave me some generalized things. I'm going to read more. I'm going to exercise. Um, I forget what the third one he said was, but he said those two things. I said, great, read more. What do you mean by read more? Like if you were actually going to read, period, let's just start there. What would you read and how much would you read by November 1st? What would you get done? And he actually, there was a book. There was a book he wanted to read, Man's Search for Meaning. He wants to read, you know, 20 pages a week. Wonderful, clear. That's great. Very different than I want to read more. I want to exercise. Oh, good. Like what kind of exercise? Oh, I want to run four times a week. Oh, wonderful. What days do you run on the week? Great. What time do you run during the week? Okay. So for the next, so four times this week? Oh, oh, you're going to run on Saturday? Okay, good. Um, and if you, and I, and I said, well, if, if you, when you don't run a little bit of, little bit of Eileen's tactic here, when you don't run, why don't you run? Oh, the bed's really comfortable. I get it. How could you set your world up then? Let's just say this is a real commitment. How could you set your world up to make sure that you run? And he's got a very close friend of his, um, business associate that I know really well. And I, and it, it all tied together because he, when he got clear about it, it wasn't running that was important. It was the confidence he got after running that was important. That's why he wanted to run because he had some big business goals that if he gets out of his like floating racket, um, meaning like he likes to kind of float around, he likes to not be committed to anything and give himself credit for how smart he is and how much he would do if everybody else was different in his life. Um, and he, he's got some big business goals. So to run is actually to fuel his verve and commitment at work. So he wants to run in the morning in order to show up in a certain way. It's a gift to him. And how does he do that? Oh, by the end, it's like, why don't you, have you ever thought about talking to your friend Rich and saying, hey, I'm going to run every day this week. I'm going to text you after I'm my run. I'm going to tell you how far I ran and the pace that I ran every day that I run. He's, he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, that's a no shit. Now you actually have, now you actually build in a system that sets yourself up to be accountable to yourself and to this other person. And if you don't, no problem, but at least it will, you're on the hook instead of like, how do I feel at 630 in the morning? That's such a small game. How do I feel at 630 in the morning? Um, ironically, after that call, um, I did it as, as well. Like he had a couple converse, key conversations for him to make, which we got into. He didn't, he started off by saying, I'm going to talk to this guy. And I said, okay, you're going to talk to him. Talk to him about what? What are you going to talk to him about? And what's the outcome of the conversation? And who do you want to be for him in the conversation? What's at stake if you have the shitty one, have the traditional one, like the half-hearted one you've been having? What's at stake? And we talked through all that. Great. Now out of that, who are you committed to being in this conversation? By when are you going to talk to him? I'm going to talk to him right after we're done. Great. Will you text me after? Will you text me after your call with him and let me know? And all of a sudden he's at stake, right? So the, 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 we're not at stake at all when we live in a generalized way. We are at stake when we live in a specific way. Um, ironically, we, we, we push ourselves away from constraint because we think freedom exists there. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about The Change Imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? 
Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative eBook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. Go ahead and click on the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. Even when you're saying we right now, I, I'm just, what I'm noticing, you know, when you say we, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Um, Cause that's one thing when I would interrupt in somebody as they're talking um, that when I hear what you're saying, you're making a distinction. Um, but I'm just noticing the language and the willingness to speak into, cause we do as a team, we speak into each other's world. And so I just wanted to um, just point that out. The, we, that just trick. That's like, Oh, wait a minute. I just wanted to bring sure. that up. Yeah. I mean, just as true for me, for sure. Like, if, you know, um, I'm, I'm pointing out how, how there's these commonalities, um, as we're talking about here on the podcast, talking about commonalities around what are these traps that I for sure can fall into. Um, and even we, we were just joking right before you, right before you jumped on, Chad, you were apologizing about, or you were asking, or Eileen was asking about letting her, you know about something. And you said, oh, you know what? I didn't actually ship it then. But, and she just naturally said, oh, it's okay. You didn't make a commitment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I understand. Otherwise, That's great. That would have been another conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. But what I wanted to go back to when you even, cause when I notice when the person's talking about when I'm going to do more, like you were mentioning, I'll do more reading when someone's wanting to do more, better or different, that brings something. That's another thing to consider. It's like, what do you mean by more like what adrian was saying i love that adrian because um until you drill down and got specific with that individual it didn't have the meaning behind it it was just it was just more and it's very general or i'm going to do this better well what's better than that and and um different tell me so anyways yeah. it's well powerful and just to play that out real quick in the conversation. So we started talking about all those like read, read, read more and run more and blah, blah, blah. What ended up coming out of the conversation was when he got real about a handful of projects that were still pending and he's got a big trip coming up in a few months. Um, when he got real about the projects and what was needed in order to complete the projects because on a certain day, he's going to be overseas doing a certain thing. And I just said, how do you want to feel when you get there and you stand there and walk into that room? He's having a high stakes meeting. How do you want to feel? Do you want to, do you want to be the guy with your shoulders back, really confident in what you completed? You completed these projects? Or do you want to be the guy with a bunch of reasons and excuses about why you couldn't get it done? Think about it. He thought about it. He said, oh, I for sure want to be the guy. Okay, good. And then what's it going to take to get it done? to get these projects done, which projects, by the way, oh, these two specific ones. Great. What's it going to take to get it done? And he's got, there's a, there's a big pull. There's a lot to get done. And when we got real about what it was going to take to complete it, 
we circled back and said, you might not have time to read, man. Reading might be your like thing you, your, that you ought to be doing, but in the context of this next one month sprint you have between you and this international trip, you might need to start reading after. And right now, like that kind of that goal you'd set out so you feel better about yourself is actually not, doesn't fit, potentially might not fit in the context of what's most important to you. So my point in bringing that out is like a lot of times we live, I, a lot of times I can live in the context of, of wanting to make a goal um, so that I feel better about myself instead of actually zooming out and saying, what is most important to me? You know, and to, to, to circle this back, like all aims aren't the same. So, you know, there are naturally, we live in a vision for what we really want and what we're really committed to. And out of that, we will have a hierarchy of concerns and we ought to be real about that. Yeah. So when I, when I think about commitment and aim, that's the foundation of the work that we do, because if we don't have a direction, then we're just coming alongside and really not going anywhere. We won't have the results. So that's the foundations getting clear about the direction, the aim of where somebody wants to go and counting the cost and what are they committed to cause in this time, whether because it's a way of being in navigating because all of a sudden, like I said, things become an opportunity for you to engage or have the conversation and ask the questions and even being willing to interrupt and, and stop something from happening. So there's no excuses. There's no stories. It's reality of you get committed and you do what it takes. It's there's, it's not about comfort. It's not about circumstances. It's about you getting clear about what you want to have happen in life. And as coaches, that's what we're great about doing. We're doing, that's what we do. We come alongside and we can hear the little subtleties that may be playing a part that contributes to a pattern that re that continues to keep in that cycle. And what we do is we, we'll, inter we'll interrupt it. We will bring out those, those we's and those maybes and um, more better, different conversations into a clear, direct conversation. Yeah. I, thanks, Eileen. I, I want to land the plane in this space and I'm going to give you guys a challenge to give me 30 second comments on this because uh, we've talked a lot in this conversation about self-leadership as it, as it pertains to aim. Just, it just so happened to be the, some of the examples that came up and, and that sort of stuff. So I'm just noticing the, the, the principles are true um, and apply when we're leading others into something meaningful too, right? So if you have an organization where you're consistently missing goals, if you call them goals, if you're missing goals or your aim or um, people aren't responding to your requests or, you know, all of that sort of stuff, there is potentially an aim. There's something not clear about the aim and what you're about together. I would assume, I would assert, right? Um, there could be some other things that are going on. I'm sure there are. Um, just in the context of leading others, I want to throw it back to you guys to, to wrap it up of how, how 
what would be your encouragement for leaders who are listening to this as they want to get clearer on their aim or they're noticing some of these things in their organization as they lead other people? So the context of aim as you lead other people. Yeah, I'd I love to add into that because one, one of the things that I um, bring up that's very common in leadership is that people train people how to relate to them. So if you have trained your staff, well, you have. You've trained people to relate to you a certain way. And um, if they're continuing certain things, there's no accidents that things are showing up in, 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 your, in your company. And so get clear about where you're raising the bar with them and what you're settling for and what you haven't asked for getting clear about your aim with them rather than letting the little things slide by, bring things to the, to their attention, because there are no little things. There is not a little conversation. It's not a little promise. It's a promise. It's a commitment. And so, um, raising the bar with them. That's great. Um, on a practical side, one of the temptations, that I, I see and I even myself see a lot is in team leadership is we miss, we, we miss it. We miss a goal. We miss an aim. We miss a commitment. We miss, there's some kind of, and we would just call that the, the system is in breakdown. And as a leader, your job, um, definitely your best strategy is to explore the breakdown and to ask and find out what was competing with people that were playing the game? What came up? What was more important than keeping the commitment? What was missed? What resources weren't asked for? What learning didn't occur? You know, what asks weren't clear? What assumptions were made? And we don't do forensics on the breakdown. And, and if, we don't do, if we don't find the core issues, if we just settle for the symptoms, we're going, it's going to happen again. It will take it to the bank because if you don't explore the breakdown and have everybody take responsibility for their own contribution to the breakdown. And if, a, if there's a breakdown on a team, everybody's got contribution, not just the one person. Um, at least if you want to do it well, explore it until you get down to that one individual level. Um, because if people, if, if, if we don't, if we don't, I guess, distinct down to the individual level, then there's all these hiding places. And you'll be continuing to manufacture the same breakdowns over time and you'll blame a bunch of other things on it. So um, from a team perspective, exploring when we miss the aim is a, is a really phenomenal way. And how you explore how we miss the aim is a great way to generate a new way of relating to the aim so that new something new can happen. And it usually requires breaking rapport, which we're all very addicted to. Yeah. yeah. I like that one more thing, Chad. Of course it's you do, Eileen. I just I like to add being curious. I mean, if I get curious with my team, I get to find out what's missing with me, with them, that it didn't happen. So for me taking responsibility for what's going on for me, and um that's where it starts. But it's the mindset of being curious because I know we've said it. This is your mind can't be curious and angry at the same time. So that's another thing. Just keep that curiosity up and uh, looking at the the possibilities of what it's what it's going to take to get up to it. 
That's why your overtime additions are always welcome, Eileen, because <laughs> they're powerful. So, and I wanted, I wanted to just like add on, Eileen, you were talking about what we do, how we identify these, where, where, where teams and individuals might be general with each other. What, what virus is, um, cause generality, I like think of like a generality is like a virus as it goes out through the team. Right. And it starts with the leader. That's what we can help you identify in the coaching context as we work with you and we work with your team. So if it's not already clear already, if, if you found some symptoms of this virus in this conversation for you or for your organization, please reach out to us. We would love to support you in that. We can help you identify where things aren't working. Um, so we're linked, we, our website's linked in the, in the show description, and we would love to have a conversation with you about how, what you're experiencing. Thanks. Thanks both of you so much. Thank you. Thank you Jeff. All right. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.